0: Welcome to A Jolt of Joy on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm your host, Bible teacher and author, Carol McLeod. You know, there's nothing like the Bible to encourage us, to strengthen our faith, and to give wisdom that we all need. I hope that you're opening your Bible every day and discovering eternal gold on the sacred pages of Scripture. You know, if I could just give you one word of advice, in order for you to live an abundant, meaningful, and extraordinary life, it would be to read your Bible daily. Have you read your Bible today? Well, on today's episode, we'll be finishing our current series that's titled Meanwhile, Meeting God in the Wait. For the past eight weeks, we've been studying the life of Joseph of the Old Testament who's your favorite Bible character. Joseph is my favorite Old Testament character. And I believe that the lessons we learn from Joseph's life are too numerous to count. So let's dig in and finish the story of Joseph. We left Joseph's brothers on their faces in front of Joseph. These overgrown boys were in a dire predicament. Joseph's silver cup had been found in Benjamin's sack, Genesis 44, verses 16 and 17. So Judah said, "'What can we say to my Lord? What can we speak?' And how can we justify ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's slaves, both we and the one in whose possession the cup has been found. But he said, far be it from me to do this. The man in whose possession the cup has been found, he shall be my slave. But as for you, go in peace to your father. Little did these emotionally charged men know that they were talking to the deceased, who was actually alive and well and in charge. Judah humbly but respectfully approached Joseph and offered his own life in exchange for Benjamin's life. Judah knew that if Benjamin didn't return home, it would kill their father. Genesis 44, verses 30 through 34. "'Now therefore, when I come to your servant, my father,' And the lad is not with us since his life is bound up in the lad's life. When he sees that the lad is not with us, he will die. Thus your servants will bring the gray hair of your servant, our father, down to shoal in sorrow. For your servant became surety for the lad to my father saying, if I do not bring him back to you, then let me bear the blame before my father forever. Now therefore, please. Let your servant remain instead of the lad, a slave to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brothers. For how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me? For fear that I see the evil that would overtake my father. Well, one of the miracles we see unfolding in Joseph's meanwhile is that his brothers had indeed been transformed. They told the truth at every juncture. They took responsibility for the situation and they honored their father. Doesn't that just make you weep? The Holy Spirit has given us an extraordinary view into the broken heart that Joseph endured all the years of his meanwhile. Genesis 45 verses 1 and 2. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried, have everyone go out from me. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. So Joseph was out of control. His emotions were running down his handsome cheeks. His well-honed chest heaved with years of rejection. Joseph was crying so loudly, the entire household heard him as his sobs pierced the royal atmosphere. The palace was a massive structure. But the sound of Joseph's pain traveled down the halls, carried along the cold marble walls and stone floors. The cries of Joseph echoed through every chamber and into every room. You know what I believe? I believe that Joseph's cries reached the throne room of God as well. I'm emotionally drained reading this, and we haven't even reached the conclusion of this ancient chronicle yet. Can you imagine Joseph's brothers? They were likely heartsick as the events of their past life rolled through their minds. Were they even standing on their feet now, or had they fallen to their knees in emotional torture? Genesis 45.3, "'Then Joseph said to his brothers, "'I am Joseph. Is my father still alive?' But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence." I am Joseph. Those three words ricochet down through the centuries. You know, there are few more dramatic and fulfilling moments than these, not only in scripture, but in all of recorded history. I am Joseph. As I read those three words... I look at the first two words, I am. This part of Joseph's cry holds deep meaning to all of us in the body of Christ. I am was the reminder of God to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. I am, said Jesus to his disciples in the middle of the storm in Matthew 14, 27. When Joseph informed his brothers of his true identity, they were rendered speechless. They didn't know what to say. They couldn't answer him. They were dismayed at his presence. The word dismayed found in Genesis 45, 3 is the Hebrew word bahal, and it literally means terrified. All of the brothers' worst-case scenarios now flooded their minds as they imagined what Joseph could do to them. Joseph was the power broker in the situation, and thus far, he had appeared very stern and extremely unyielding. All of the brothers, except Benjamin, were aware that Joseph could kill them, lock them in prison, and seek revenge for what they had done to him all those decades earlier. The brotherhood held no power in this formidable situation. Joseph begged his brothers to draw close to him. I believe he was not only inviting a physical closeness in this moment, but also an emotional nearness in the years to come. Genesis 45, verse 4. Then Joseph said to his brothers, "'Please come closer to me.'" And they came closer. And he said, "'I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt.'" Decades of alienation were gloriously over for the sons of Jacob. Now it was time for unbridled joy and sweet fellowship. Their meanwhile was instantly behind them. I can only imagine that Joseph likely gathered them all into a hug and looked into their faces as he grinned in recognition at who they had become. Judah, Your wife must be a good cook. It shows. Asher, brother, where did all of your hair go? Dan, my brother, how many children do you have now? Simeon, remember when we climbed that tree and couldn't get down? Well, you might want to pause the podcast and run and get a tissue before we read the next verse together. In this passage, the wow of Joseph's story begins. Genesis 45, 5. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. Joseph, in that one sentence, removed years of blame and shame from their lives. Joseph was so convinced of the consuming, restorative, and powerful plan of God that he immediately informed his brothers he held absolutely nothing against them. You know, Joseph knew what you and I often ignore. God's plans are bigger than our meanwhiles. Joseph was more aware of the plan of God than he was of the rejection he had experienced. Joseph knew his words would set the tone for the relationship with his brothers for years to come. And so he spoke kindly, compassionately, and even sacredly. Joseph transformed the ugliness of their rift by demonstrating the heart of the father toward his beloved children. Joseph had the wisdom to turn the scathing into something sacred. You know, as I examined the life of Joseph as a son, a brother, a servant, a prisoner, and now as a leader, I believe the most distinguishing feature about his life was his desire to turn every conversation to the Lord whom he faithfully served. Nearly every sentence Joseph speaks throughout his years, as recorded in the Bible, has the name of God in it. Oh, how I long to bring the name of my Lord into every conversation in which I engage, especially the hard conversations. As we eavesdrop on the conversation that Joseph has with his brothers, we're about to listen to the words of a true leader. Genesis 45, verses six through eight. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt." Don't miss this small phrase hidden away in this trio of verses. Joseph said, God has made me a father to Pharaoh. Well, undoubtedly, the Pharaoh of that time was older than Joseph, and yet Joseph had developed a unique relationship with him. The roles had reversed between Joseph and Pharaoh. Joseph was the one Pharaoh turned to for wisdom, insight, and guidance. Joseph's brothers had refused his leadership when he was a young man, but Pharaoh had embraced it. The life and words of Joseph serve as a stirring reminder that God's will is the controlling reality of every event in our broken lives. When you are more aware of his presence than you are of your own misery, you will be able to fully and completely forgive those who have wronged you. Human error never has the last word. God does. Devastation never rules and reigns supreme. God does. Family pain never casts the deciding vote. God does. Sin never wins. God always wins. My friend, Regardless of what has transpired over the years of your life, the God of Joseph is the God of you. His goodness will write the closing chapter of your story. Well, now, as you can imagine, Joseph couldn't wait to see his beloved father Jacob once again. In the sheer joy of the family reunion among the brothers, there was only one thing missing, and that was their patriarch. Genesis 45, 9 through 12. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son, Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay. You shall live in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me. You and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have there. I will also provide for you for there are still five years of famine to come and you and your household and all that you have would be impoverished. "'Behold, your eyes see, and the eyes of my Benjamin see, "'that it is my mouth which is speaking to you.'" Joseph's words of love and compassion were followed by actions. Joseph dignified those who had wronged him with a practical and powerful blessing. Genesis 45, 14 through 15. Then Joseph fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. He kissed all his brothers and wept on them. And afterwards, his brothers talked with him. These jubilant verses are a prophetic picture for all of us whose families have been torn apart by sin and misunderstanding. Eventually, God will write the end of each one of our stories. Never doubt it. We have been instructed by Joseph's resolute faith to live an honorable life and to allow God to use us in the middle of our heartache. We will acknowledge the presence of God daily and then stand back and watch in amazement as God shows us what only He can do. So Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the ancient world, had developed the utmost respect for this little country boy from the insignificant land of Canaan. Joseph, from the very first day he had entered the throne room of the king, had not disappointed Pharaoh. Instead, Joseph proved he was indeed filled with the spirit of the Most High God. "'Pharaoh treated Joseph's family as his very own. "'He sent wagons and food for Joseph's extended family. "'He said, don't bring any of your personal items "'because I'll provide for you.'" Genesis 45, 21 through 24. "'Then the sons of Israel did so, "'and Joseph gave them wagons "'according to the command of Pharaoh.'" and gave them provisions for the journey. To each of them he gave changes of garments, but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garments. To his father he sent as follows, 10 donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and sustenance for his father on the journey. So he sent his brothers away, and as they departed he said to them, do not quarrel on the journey. Oh, isn't that interesting that Joseph's parting words to his brothers were, do not quarrel on the journey. You see, Joseph didn't want his brothers to revert to old competitive habits once they left the wise influence of his presence. I believe the Holy Spirit has spoken something similar to those of you who are listening today. Perhaps the Holy Spirit is saying to you, do not worry on your journey. Do not blame others on your journey. Do not gossip on your journey. Do not be afraid on your journey. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to revert to pre-Christ habits. He wants you to live an abundant life, fully aware of the blessings of God in your life. Genesis 45, 25 through 28. Then they went up from Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. They told him, saying, Joseph is still alive, and indeed, he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. But he was stunned, for he did not believe them. When they told him all the words of Joseph, that he had spoken to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. Then Israel said, it's enough. My son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. The Bible recounts that the spirit of their father, Jacob, revived. Suddenly, life returned to his elderly body again. Incidentally, he was ready and raring to go. I can almost hear Jacob saying to his sons, what are you waiting for? Pack your bags, your wives, and your children. We're going on a family trip. I refuse to die until I lay eyes on my son, Joseph. You know, there are times in life when the meanwhiles rob you of your ability to move ahead and even to hope again. As I read the narrative of the promise born anew in the heart of Jacob, I imagine he declared with a twinkle in his aged eyes, let's get on with living. You know, if Jacob can shake off discouragement and dare to hope again, so can you. Stand up, Take out your cane, if necessary, and limp into the future. Soon, your limp will become a confident walk, and your walk might even become an enthusiastic sprint. And before you know it, you will be dancing into your destiny. Joseph was so excited. He couldn't wait in Egypt for their arrival, but went ahead to meet them in the land of Goshen, Genesis 46, 28 through 30. Now, He sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out the way before him to Goshen, and they came into the land of Goshen. Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as he appeared before him, he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a long time. Then Israel said to Joseph, now let me die, since I have seen your face that you are still alive. You know, if I were an artist that painted pictures. This is one of the Bible scenes I would love to bring to life on canvas. I can just picture the elderly gentleman climbing down from his wagon, lifting up his tunic and walk running to the son whom he thought was dead. He may have hurried with a limp common to the aged, but make no mistake about it, Jacob ran." And then Joseph, as he saw the caravan drawing closer, he likely jumped out of his royal chariot and sprinted toward his father. Joseph was in the arms of his father. Has there ever been a reunion so exuberant and fulfilling? The father and the son were together once again. Well, In case you didn't guess it, this scene paints a picture of our reunion with our Heavenly Father. As we sprint across the finish line of time and enter the glory of eternity, Dad will be waiting. He will open his arms wide and into them we will run. Jacob's life was now complete. He'd found Joseph. They were together face to face. Well, the years went by and it was time for Jacob to breathe his last breath. After the sons of Jacob buried him, they held a family meeting without Joseph's presence. Genesis 50 verses 14 through 18. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father charged before he died saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, Please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, We are your servants. Joseph sobbed uncontrollably when he realized his brothers were afraid of him. Genesis 50 verse 19. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid for am I in God's place? Joseph reminded his insecure, grieving brothers that God was still on the throne. I believe this is an appropriate and incontestable reminder for you and for me today. When you're dealing with human fear, remind yourself that God is still on the throne. When you're in the throes of grief, remind yourself that God has not abdicated His authority to anyone else. Tell yourself what Joseph kindly told his brothers. Don't be afraid. No one is able to take God's place. There stood Joseph's hulking, middle-aged brothers. Some were now balding, while others likely had long gray beards. Their main impediment was the refusal to acknowledge the power and goodness of God. Joseph is about to settle that issue at last for these men who had allowed personal disappointment to define God for them. Genesis chapter 50, verses 20 and 21. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Do you believe God will do for you what he did for Joseph? Do you now know that the father is able to take every bad event in your meanwhile and use it for a greater good? Do you believe? Joseph never would have saved a nation from starvation had he not been trapped in a meanwhile. The good that God extracts from a sordid evil is far greater than a peaceful, uneventful life could ever create. Joseph comforted his desperate brothers and spoke kindly to them. May I share a wonderful piece of information with you? Jesus, your brother, wants to comfort you today. He's speaking kindly to you, reminding you of his presence and his partnership with the Father. He's taking your meanwhile, whatever it is, and touching it with his power. Your meanwhile is about to become a miracle. If you enjoyed this series on a jolt of joy, I'd love to encourage you to buy a copy of my most recent book, Meanwhile, Meeting God in the Wait. Also available are the eight videos to enhance your study in this rich look at the life of Joseph. The combination of the book and the video teaching series is perfect for a Sunday school class, a small group, a group of college students, or just for your own personal faith journey. Now, the book is available on my website, Ministries.com on Amazon, or really wherever fine books are sold. The video teaching series, however, is only available on my website, which is com, and at ironstreammedia.com. As always, I'd love to hear from you. So feel free to email me at Carol at Ministries.com. We love to pray for everyone who connects with us. So please, send me your prayer request. I want to remind you today and every day that when you choose Jesus, my friend, you're choosing joy. His will for your life is an inexpressible and relentless joy. Don't ever doubt it. And so I'll close by saying, I dare you to choose joy.